When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Evan Lazar here, Patriots insider and host of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. As always, our content is powered by our exclusive wagering partners, betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar. With me, as always, is Alex Barth. And I'm... I'm stumbling on my words right now, Alex, because I just realized that that's the last time I'm probably going to do that open. And uh, yeah. that is obviously uh, very sad and a little bit emotional there. So I apologize that I literally almost blanked completely <laughs> just now and like blacked out <laughs> as I was doing that, something that I've done, what, probably 500 times in the last year and a half. And uh so those that don't know uh, that aren't on Twitter or, or just aren't uh, obsessed with looking at my Twitter, which is totally fair. Uh, I am leaving CLNS at the end of the week here. Um, tomorrow is my last day with the company. And uh, just to get right to the point, uh, that means that this is my last podcast on Patriot Speed, which is obviously extremely sad. And Alex and I are going to reminisce and talk about this a little bit to start off the show and and discuss what the future holds Um, but before we get into the future for the pod and it will involve Alex so that will be good for all of you um, to still have Alex around here I I just want to say that when I started the podcast when I took it over for Trags uh, we had a couple weeks there where we were kind of shuffling through guests, like maybe doing it as a, as a show where I have a revolving door of guests and things like that. And after a while, I was just like, this is silly. Like, I'm just going to text Alex and be like, let's do this together. Because as everybody that is our OGs of CLNS and of Patriots Press Pass, Alex obviously used to work here full time uh, with me. And we used to tackle the Patriots together on the beat. And uh, we missed it. We obviously have a, a, a great uh, on-field and off-field, you know, friendship. And uh, so we wanted to continue to work together on the air. So it, it really took off when I brought my buddy Alex back and was like, hey, we got to do this together. And uh, since then, the, the, the lives that we get, the comments that we get, uh, the, all the questions at the Q&As, uh, the amount of views, whether it's YouTube or uh, on the uh, on the Spotify stream or the RSS feed for the little inside baseball there, uh, the amount of traction that the podcast has gotten, has, it's been 
unbelievable. And uh, we just can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough uh, for all of it. The fact that we can, on a random May day in the middle of the off season, say, hey, uh, we're doing a live Q&A today at four o'clock, come hang out. And we have a bunch of questions and we never have to kind of sit there and twiddle our thumbs. It, it means so much to me. It means so much to both of us. And we just appreciate all of it uh, so much. And I, I'm definitely going to miss uh, the pod. I'm going to miss doing it with you, Alex. I'm going to miss interacting with the people in the comments section, even the ones that, that hate us and hate me or troll us, I guess you should say. I don't, I don't think it's personal. Uh, troll us. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's bittersweet here today to, to be wrapping up on the final podcast and um you know we'll we'll, we'll obviously remember and, and hang on to this for a long time because this was this was a lot of fun yeah i uh you know well said um and congratulations to you i know you're waiting to announce your your next step uh I, i'll yeah. confirm I, I won't give it away although people seem to think you're coming to the hub apparently i hinted at that that's no. not it so no, you can rule that, that one out I, I wouldn't that's your let territory. him. And I will say one come thing. In and overshadow me. Can I what, say what one thing? Say? Yeah. I'm not going to the athletic. Okay. Like everybody thinks I'm going to the athletic. That's like the number one thing. <laughs> DMs, replies. Evan's going to the athletic. I'm telling you right now, it's not the athletic. Okay. I'm not going to tell is, you where. You are still covering the Patriots. I think you should make that. Comment. Yes. Yes. I'm definitely okay. uh, still covering the Patriots. Pretty much not. Uh, I actually was able to uh, have a, a little content meeting this morning with my future employer. And uh, basically everything that I'm going to do at the next stop is really going to be the same as what I do now, you know? So not a lot is actually going to change um, for, for viewers or listeners or readers of mine that are listening to this. Uh, not a lot of things are going to change in terms of like my content and, and what I'm doing, um, which is great. So it, it will be pretty much more of the same just for a different outlet. Yeah. So again, well said, and, and obviously I'm happy for you um, on a bigger and better things and, and you deserve all of it. Yeah. So, I mean, for people who kind of don't know and maybe started following this podcast, when we started in January, 2021, I was at CLNS before the sports hub. I was there for a number of years. Um, I, we, we started getting credentialed in 2018 and, and that was Evan's first year with us. I mean, I think you yeah. started a couple of days in a camp, right? They told me that I was going to yeah. be the Patriots beat reporter and I was going to be the guy and, you know, a couple of days later, there comes there comes Evan. And in the, in the words of Drew Bledsoe, in my mind, right, I'm looking forward to competing for my job. But um, I, you know, I, I think with you there, we took it to, to incredible heights. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten to that point without you. I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I'm at without you. So we outside of, you know, a couple of months immediately after I left CLNS, uh, which most of which were during a pandemic. So there wasn't much to talk about anyway. I mean, we've pretty much been doing content together for almost five years now. So, yeah. um, yeah, like Evan said, uh, I've agreed to continue doing the podcast. Uh, I believe the plan at least initially, so I'm still going to be the co-host. I I'm still going to be in the two chair. Uh, I believe the plan initially is to rotate who's in the host chair, at, at least to start camp. And it's people, you know, it's people who cover the Patriots. It's not going to be people pulled out of nowhere, but I'll be with a, a rotation of co-hosts and that will go until either CLNS finds your permanent replacement or we just find somebody where the chemistry is good, but I'll still be here. I'll still be doing this. I believe the plan will still be Tuesday and Thursday. We're still going to do every day during camp twice a week during the season. You know, if the dates change, we'll, we'll let you know, follow me on Twitter at real Alex Barth, but um, 
it you know it's 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 been a pleasure it really has i i appreciate you know all the love this show has gotten when you made your announcement so many people coming out saying what's going to happen with the podcast yeah. all that the people who say yeah. they look forward to this every tuesday and thursday it really means more than you mean um so this will still exist patriots beat will still exist without evan and um you know there's nothing in in the cards right now i think it's i can say this evan stop me if you want to stop me there's nothing in the in the cards right now for us to work together in the future officially um, you know, I'll have you on as a guest on my sports hub podcast at some point during camp during the season, obviously. Um, there's no plans right now for anything permanently down the road for us to work together. But that being said, uh, if that door were to open, it's obviously, yeah. you know, and, you know, it has to get approved by, by all these different people. So it might take some jumping through hoops, but if that door did open in the future, it's something I'm open to. It's something you're open to. We've talked about it. Um, you know, I kind of gave the same speech when I left CLNS in 2020 that, if there was still a chance for us to work together, we would kind of take that opportunity. Lo and behold, a year later, this podcast came out, uh, came up. So, um, you know, it's not, you know, I, I, I tweeted that, that, uh, last dance thing right before we came on. Uh, we'll see, we, we will see what happens. Uh, it, there's a chance that this comes back in, in some capacity, in some extent, it may not look exactly like this. I don't know what it would be. Uh, but there's, there's still a chance that comes down the road, but in the meantime, I'll still be here. I'll say, I, obviously I'm not going anywhere. I still have all my stuff on 98.5 as well. 98.5 right. Patriots podcast um, is still there. Subscribe to Patriots audio. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, in the meantime, just, you know, you deserve all of it. I hope you're kind of enjoying this week. A lot of people uh, saying a lot of nice things. You deserve all the success down the road. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll see everybody next week. It's, it's really not goodbye for me. It's just a different, uh, different person, that other box there. Yeah, which is which makes me know that I'm leaving the pod in good hands, obviously, which makes me feel good. And uh, you no, know, like you're you terrified. It's going to get so anti-Mathy and we're going to talk Madden all the time. <laughs> and, you know, it's they get ready for that. Yeah. Like you said, um, you know, Alex and I are, are always hoping, looking, uh, you know, for opportunities to work together. Right. And and that's always going to be our goal, I think probably forever. Uh, so, you know, if there is an opportunity down the line, like Alex said, nothing imminent, nothing in the works, but if there is an opportunity down the line, even if it's just as guests on each other's podcasts or whatever the case may be, uh, we're always going to try to to do stuff together. So that will definitely be on the table as we move forward. I, I don't know exactly if it will be my own podcast or if it will be, jumping on different podcasts or whatever the case may be, but I'm definitely going to be in the podcast realm uh, in the future still. So uh, I'll definitely, uh, you know, be around in, in the podcast sphere uh, plenty as well. So don't worry about any of that. You're still going to get plenty of Alex and I, and you can come and tell me that I have a nasally voice all you want or whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm all yours. Uh, you can say whatever you would like. Uh, and uh, come and comment and, and listen to us and all those types of things uh, as well. I, you mentioned uh, our first year in 2018. I remember the first day pretty vividly that I had with you. And I remember the very first video that we did together. And I, I don't think people of the podcast are going to be like that shocked that we talked a lot in the first video. Yeah. It was but, supposed to be like five minutes and it went nine yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like over 10 minutes long. It was supposed to be like a quick, like four or five minute thing, post some of it on Twitter, like that sort of thing. And it, it went on and on and on and on and on. And I, I remember 
not only was it great that we could right off the bat, we could do that and we could talk football like that. But I remember you, you kind of coaching me up and, and, you know, our, our, our boss at the time and my current boss, John Zanis kind of co- being like, you know, you, you got to have shorter answers, right? Like you can't go on for like 40 minutes on one thing. And so uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, not only to just reminisce is also just because, you know, Alex has taught me a lot about being on air about you didn't want to be on air you you were like terrified of being on camera yeah i really hadn't done it Uh, i had done podcasting but i have i haven't really done the whole stand up with the microphone and any of that sort of thing uh, i really at all and uh and so that was definitely a new experience and uh and alex coached me through it he easily could have hated me easily could have tried to you know, really uh, railroaded the situation and made me look bad or stuff like that. And, uh, and that was the opposite of what he did. So I'll always be grateful for that. And uh, we'll, we'll always uh, remember that. 2018 was a fun year though, just to continue well, down so this wait, memory wait, before, before we get further down, I'll actually, I'll, I'll show you this and I'm going to send you the full link because you should watch it, but I'm going to, I'm going to share something oh, no. here. Oh no. So I don't know before, if I want to see this. Be, you don't. Before... You were with CLNS. You did some guest spots for us. Yes. When you were still with Pat's Pulpit and Harold and SI and all that. So this oh is the goodness. first video we did together. Oh, I don't know no. if I have sound on this, but if you oh, see no. right here, this is the first video we did together in, uh, in 2018, right after the 2018, 2018 draft. So before we start, I got the list here real quick, just to remind everybody. This was, uh, Patriots, let's take a guess a little bit. Seventh round picks. I think you're both Danny, like 50 Danny Atling, Keon Cross, and Ryan Izzo. They so loved our seventh so round was, picks, right? That's, look at that's that. Yeah. Seventh round picks. That, that's what the whole weekend season. And I'm wearing a Patriots t-shirt during this. <laughs> like, I'm just a total team honk back So then. that, oh that still exists on the CLNS Facebook page, but oh my there's goodness. probably some rough takes on there. There's probably, Some I haven't rough, watched the whole rough takes. 2018 oh, class. So that's Isaiah Wynn. That's Sony Michelle. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And I, I love the, I, I loved the, the, the two first, like I loved Wynn and Michelle. I thought those were great picks at the time. Right. Like, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. that was, I was all in on that draft at the top. Not that, you know, both of them, it wasn't like they busted out of the league or anything like that, but certainly did not turn into the, uh, I, I'm sure I dropped like an Alvin Kamara comp or something well, like that. For the, Sony the one Michelle thing I remember from that video is because I, I went back and watched a little bit of it in my, me being my typical wishy-washy self. We each did the pick we liked the least. And I said, Danny Etling, who was the last pick, <laughs> of course, which is classic. Always on the fence. I think that that was like, you know, aside from the fact that we could like be our, ourselves on the show, which was always great. I think the other one thing that like really, uh, got us going when we started working together. Now when we started doing the pod together is like, we know the buttons to push on each other, right? Like I know right. that you hate sec quarterbacks, right? So if I just like say that some sec quarterback is, is the next great thing, that's going to get you going about sec quarterbacks. Or if I start going off about the math, like I know that's going to get you, you bothered. And uh, I think I can think of probably 500 things that you can say or do to, to get me triggered. So that was another funny part of uh 
of the way that we kind of worked together and stuff like that is, is we knew the little things to jab each other about that, that would get each other going and, and get the takes rolling. But yeah, 2018, uh, that was a ton of, of fun for so many different reasons. The success on the field for the Patriots was obviously the best part, uh, getting to cover a yeah. Super Bowl together, going to Atlanta together. Uh, yes, we did stay in a Airbnb, uh, I believe it was, with no heat in the middle of February or early right. February or hot and, water or hot Shout water out to Trags for setting that up. Yeah. And we had to, uh, we, I think I slept with like three sweatshirts on or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, we eventually had to move out of that Airbnb into a hotel because that's how bad it was. It was, I think we got back one night and there was no internet. And I think that was the final straw just because we needed the internet for our job. So like that was obviously, you know, we can put on sweatshirts and things like that. But once the internet went out, that was like, okay, well now we can't even work here. Uh, so that's, um, that's not going to work. I, I remember we all went to Pittsburgh, right. In 2018, yeah watched what we thought was the end of the dynasty, quite frankly, yeah. when they lost to the Steelers in Pittsburgh that uh, that game. You know, that, the game started. They hit Chris Hogan. The, the Steelers' defense forgets to uh, cover. Was, was it Chris Hogan? Or I think it was Chris Hogan, right? Or yeah. It was like an 80-yard touchdown, and, and they, he was had that invisibility cloak on that he often does against Pittsburgh. And they hit that touchdown. And I don't think they scored again for the rest of the game, or maybe they got a field goal and that was the rest of the scoring for them. They- that was the, uh, the Joe Hayden pick in that yeah. game. Yeah. And we came back and we shot a video and the title was, is this what the end of the Patriots dynasty looks like? And the thumbnail was us just b- looking both ridiculous. Yeah. Cause we, we like hadn't slept. We, we, I think we went yeah. straight. I went straight, I think from the airport to Gillette to shoot those videos. And it was like, is this what the end of the Patriots dynasty looks like? And then the still image was just us losing our minds. Yep. So that yep. was, yeah, that was a funny one. And then the yeah. next week I, did you go, I wasn't there. The, the, uh, Miami, what the, uh, the, yeah, Miracle I was at Miami, the, yeah. the Miami miracle game too. Yeah. So we, I went to that one solo, but I, I, I mean, at that point in that season, after the, uh, you know, Miami scored the lateral touchdown, I mean, if anybody told you at that point that they thought that they were going to go on to win the Super Bowl, then then they, I think they were lying, right? I, I point blank think right. they were lying. And uh, then we, you know, went, went on a great run, obviously to to the Super Bowl, and and Alex and I got to go. And I, I think that that right then and there, like our very first year as credentialed reporters, and you get to go cover a Super Bowl like in person, like that yeah. was just wild, you know, right off unreal. the bat. To, to do that and it just it was just crazy uh to to be able to do that right out of the gate and, and to uh be there with you know me and Alex and Trags and and we're there and, and Alex and I are our very first year on the beat very first year really doing this professionally and you're in the same area you know same press room at, as like Peter King and like all these you know other uh, big J journalists and you know Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport are like walking around and it's just like you know that that was like a real a real moment for me where I was like, okay, well now, now we're running with the big dogs, right? Like now this is like real and we're doing this for real. And I, I will always hang on to that, that season, but we started out so good, Alex, that like, it was only down from there, unfortunately, at least for the on-field success for the Patriots. And then I remember moving to 2019 
it was right after that Miami week 17 loss, you and I were still there at like two o'clock in the morning, taping a video about the Titans, right? Because no one thought that the Titans were going to, the Patriots were going to play on wild card weekend. And so we film a video and I'm sure if you could find that video somewhere, I don't know if it exists anymore. uh, The two of us were just like extremely miserable uh, that not only did the Patriots lose to Miami and, and lose the number one seed, but then they lost the bye, and now they're playing on Wild Card Weekend. I, I know I had plans for Wild Card Weekend. I thought I, I did was, too. Yep. I, I thought I was golden, and, and then uh, and then that gets blown up, and and they end up playing, and then that was it for for Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. So that was a bummer. Then COVID hits, then Alex leaves. Like so that that was a tough a period of time. But then we got to to bring it back with the pod. And, and that was obviously uh, the saving grace of, of all of this, but man, uh, that 2018 season and even 2019, just getting to cover Brady, like even though it was the end and it wasn't the best season for the team, uh, just getting to cover Brady for two seasons. I know uh, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, like, again, I, I don't think I'm giving too much away. You're still going to be on the beat. Right. Yes. So it's not like either of us are leaving the like it. it I we're 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 kind of inching towards this little bit of finality with us covering the Patriots. It's very much not the case. Yeah. Uh, sure. It does sound. It does sound a little bit like an end. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 That's not. Again, I'm still gonna be back on the podcast. You're gonna be in Foxborough on when? Like, I'm gonna see you in Foxborough on Wednesday. I would imagine yes, so. Yes. Um. So it's it's not like either of us are done covering the Patriots. But yeah, it was you know to kind of start the way we started. And somebody just said in the chat, we got two years of Brady and then Cam and now Mac, we really kind of hit this. We, we got, we, you know, we've experienced a little bit of everything and I think it's been yeah. cool, you know, to, you know, just to kind of be, you know, have somebody else who's also just experiencing and be a part of it. Right. You know, to go through this with somebody like, and we went through some of the tracks too. And like, he was so over all of it. Right. Yeah. We were at the Super Bowl in 2018. He or in 20, February, 2019. He could not have cared less. Yeah. That he was at Super Cause he's done this so many times. So, you know, the fact that we started the same year, we kind of had some of those same experiences. I mean, like we're coming from the same background. We went to college together, which we didn't know when we started working together. <laughs> Although I still take credit for get, making you quit sports radio, for giving you a 630 oh Monday yeah. morning shift on sports radio. I, yeah. I still think I get credit for pushing you in this direction. But sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Every, just, hey, you know, you, there's a line of, of, of people that want to take credit for, for pointing my career in the right direction for anybody. If I'm going to give that, that, that to anybody, I guess I I'll give it to you. All right. So, yeah. yeah. So, so it, I mean, it was just cool. And again, hopefully this isn't the end of us working together. Uh, it's the end for now. That's the reality of it. You know, it's a business and you, you got to uphold certain agreements and things like that. But um, yeah, it's been, if, if this is it, uh, you know, what, a, what a way to start a career, what, what a way to start a career. It's been pretty cool. So there you go. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, there's a lot of people in the chat making guesses and all this stuff. I'm not, I, I just, I don't, I'm not employed by this new employer yet. So I'm just going to wait right. until yeah. I'm on their payroll until I start announcing things and things we like just, that. It's so. not, it's not the sports hub. It's not the athletic. Those are the two we've rolled right. out and it's not yeah. CLNS. Yes. It's not the athletic. That's the one I wanted to get off my chest because I've gotten so many messages, DMs, whatever. To be that, fair, uh, it, it seemed obvious. I think that really throws a wrench in some people's plans that, that you're not going to the athletic. I think people had that like written in. Now people are probably so confused. Yep. There you what go. We've got ESPN, BSJ. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I, I wanted to say not to no to the athletic just because I knew that that would get people to be like very, very confused. I want to take a second to shout out our partners at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early. NFL features. You want to place a bet on Mac Jones winning MVP? It's there. You want to place a bet on Bill Belichick, coach of the year? It's there. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and to get into the action. Bet Online where the game starts right let's see some uh some patriots breaking news now they've announced the official titles for all their uh they've announced their assistant coaching staff for the season i don't see evan's name on this list so you can rule that one out true i i'm not i'm not going to the coaching staff uh i um mike pellegrino did make a joke towards me that uh that, that that I could join the coaching staff. I don't think he was being serious. I think he was kind of jabbing. Well, me, you're not right? listed here, so yeah, there you go. I'm not listed there. That's true. All right, um, let, let's talk a little bit about training camp, though. Uh, we All we right. can reminisce uh, might as well, on, right? on our own time, so That's we we, we have plenty of time to to do that. But uh, here, let me. Do you see where they did they? Was it like the media guide or something like that? Here we go. I got it. I got a it. bunch of people just tweeted. Yeah. Okay. So. We'll start here. This wasn't where I was going to start, but I think it's it's worth starting here since this is important. Uh, Joe Judge officially listed as the offensive assistant slash quarterbacks coach now. Uh, Matt Patricia, senior football advisor slash O-line coach, and Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo are both just linebackers coaches. No inside outside anymore labels and no no o coordinator no d coordinator as expected but uh, i think the defense side of the ball has been in place now for a couple of years so that's not a surprise or anything offensively though go ahead just the one interesting thing there and you just mentioned this the um there's no like it's not inside outside linebackers coach for 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 steve belichick and gerard mayo right it had been in the pan. I can't, I think oh, Gerard was inside. Steve was outside. They've got a lot yeah. of guys that in theory could do both on, and they've had that in the past, but I think this year, especially they've got a lot of guys that could do both Josh Uche. Uh, I, Ronnie Perkins said he could probably do it a little bit. Um, I think Mac Wilson's a guy who can maybe give you some snaps in that regard. Uh, I think Cameron, uh, uh, Rayquan McMillan's a guy who could give you some snaps in that regard. And I, that's something I've kind of been wondering heading into camp here is, you know, we kind of look at the inside at linebacker spot and the edge spot, and we've looked at them very separately in the context of this team the last few years, and the personnel sort of dictated that. Remember when we yeah. got all worked up about Chase Winovich playing middle linebacker against the Ravens, right? I wonder if this is a sign that those there, there's going to be more uh, – the personnel is going to be more interchangeable between those two roles this year, and it adds to that positionless defense thing, right? So right. that that that's kind of interesting to me. I, it, it doesn't say anything definitively, but – to kind of take that inside outside designation away. There's obviously a purpose to that. Everything has a purpose. I find that a little interesting. That catches my attention for sure. Yeah. Let, let's move over to the defense offense side though. Cause that was a good synopsis of that on offense. Yeah. Joe judge is now being labeled with the quarterbacks, right? He is the quarterbacks coach for the season. Yeah. 
not even like a you know assistant. He's just the quarterbacks coach. Uh, this goes back to something that I was going to bring up anyways, because it's clearly a top storyline heading into training camp. Not just who's calling plays, but, but just who's running the show, right, on the offensive right. side of the football. Because I think in a lot of times, in a lot of instances, uh, you do worry about having too many voices in Mac Jones in particular's head uh, where – Joe Judge is working with them. Patricia's working with them. Belichick's working with them. Uh, and there has to be a unified message to the quarterback. So if Joe Judge is the quarterback's coach, and I've been on this take for a while now, and I, I this just cements it for me because they're actually labeling him the quarterback's coach, then he's going to be the one that's going to be working with Mac 24-7, right? He's going to be attached right. to Matt Jones's hip. He's going to be with him during positional drills. He's going to be worth, with him during meetings, uh, during film, during uh, install, like whatever. If he's going to be with him all that time and Matt Patricia is going to be with the offensive lineman, it still does not make sense to me from a streamlined perspective that then they're going to get to Sunday and Matt Patricia is going to have the play sheet. It, that that's, to me seems like the exact thing that I would worry about with this which is too many voices inside Mac Jones's head. So I think that in a lot of ways, just based off of the history of coaching and, and what you see other teams do, and I know Belichick doesn't always uh, go with what other teams do, but when you see the history of how this usually works, even with Bill, uh, the quarterback's coach has got to be the play caller, right? It just seems like it would be way too confusing, honestly, is the best way to put right. it to have a bunch of different voices in, in the, in the, in the pot there. What do you make of these designations and are you kind of on the same line of thinking there? Well, so you mentioned Joe judge labeled a quarterbacks coach. He's also, is it, I think it was offensive assistant. This is the yeah. text is just really small on this and yeah. it's not in any sort of logical order. And it's so definitely on purpose that we have he, to like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he told us in the, in the spring judge did that he was going to work with all the skill position players. Right. So that still opens the door for that. So the whole, you know, with Mac Jones 24-7, I don't think that's locked in by him being the quarterback's coach. And what's interesting is there's no definitive second quarterback's coach, right? There's no Bo Hardigree. Yeah. Now, there is, and this is interesting, Evan Rothstein yeah. is listed as an I, offensive assistant. I just, I just got to the bottom of this you list. Just saw that? Just yeah, they, that they snuck well. it in there. So yeah. for people who don't know who Evan Rothstein is, he came with Matt Patricia from Detroit. They were in Detroit together. They left Detroit together. I, or Rossi may have made it through that season. I don't know. Patricia was fired midway through the season, but they both, you know, started with the Patriots similar time. And um, Rothstein was basically Patricia's Ernie Adams in Detroit. Yeah. He's a, he's a, you know, deep dive. We don't really know what he does. Director of football research kind of guy. So offensive assistant doesn't mean anything. Right. It, it, it doesn't mean anything on the surface and he'll probably still have his hand in everything because that's why they brought him in. It, it really seemed like he was brought in as kind of the heir apparent to Ernie Adams. Yeah. But as an offensive assistant, if you do have a guy that you think is that bright of a mind, you may want him spending some time with the quarterback. Yeah. Now, I don't know that he would be a quarterback's coach in the same way that Bo Hardigree was, but maybe that's your guy that's at max hip. Now, he's he like I just said, he has other responsibilities, too. So I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I think that they labeled him, and I, I want to pull up what his role was last year because it, it was not offensive assistant. Um, yeah, it's interesting while you're pulling that up because 
you mentioned that he could be a guy that could be in Mac's ear or, or helping Mac out. I know you're going to hate hearing this, Alex, but with Rothstein's background of being a very analytical type of guy, it it is interesting that maybe he could be uh, somebody like what we've heard with Belichick in the past that's kind of dissecting the other defense for a, a quarterback, right, and saying right. – this is their tendencies. This is what they do. Uh, this is the coverage that they run. You know, it's third and seven. Their go-to coverage is is X, right? Or it's second and eight, and their go-to coverage is Y. You know, those are the types of things that people like Ernie Adams do. That's the infamous Malcolm Butler interception and in do your job where he talks about how he logged that play, you know, earlier in film study. Like, that's the type of stuff that Evan Rothstein does. So it's definitely possible if he's on the offensive side of the ball that he's there for game plan purposes, for those types of little details that Belichick also often talks with the quarterbacks about as well. But maybe it's just another layer there uh, for Evan Rothstein. It's very, very interesting that he's now officially on the coaching staff. So here's his resume. He was with... Oh, he went to SUNY Cortland. That's tough for us as, uh, as Ithaca guys yeah, yeah. here. Hey, you know what? Whatever. Um, <laughs> still the greatest ending. Quarter of 2014, still the greatest ending to a football game I've ever seen. Um, so he spent two seasons as an offensive QC at Syracuse. Yes. As well, as, and he was with their video operations department. Then, yeah. So two seasons there. Then he went to the Lions. He was the special teams QC. Then he was the team's, oh boy, here we go. You ready? He was the team's special projects coach in 2014. That, that I think, was literally Ernie's title at one point in time. No, he was – oh, at one point. Ernie's, for the majority of his career, was the director of football research. But Right, so, yeah. At one that point doesn't mean anything. So, well, Michael Lombardi, projects coach. Special projects was Michael Lombardi as well in the 2000s. That sounds right, yeah. Yes. So, then he was – so, he goes from special teams QC, quality control. He's the team's special projects coach for one year. Then he's, it says promoted. So I guess we don't know what special projects mean, but supposedly this is step up was promoted to offensive assistant slash research and analysis. Sure. From 15 to 17. And then two years after that, he was the head coach assistant of research and analysis. So maybe start doing more on the defensive side of the ball. Then he didn't have a title. He was just there. It says Rothstein worked with the coaching staff in all facets of preparation for the team's weekly opponents, in addition to assisting head coach Matt Patricia. That was 18 to 20, and then he came to New England, and last year his his title was just research and analysis slash coaching. Right. So all over the place. So what he – but what he, what he does is very similar to what Ernie did. Right. But now he's officially on the coaching staff, which tells you that they – in my mind, they're going to use him – for, for game planning. I don't think that this is the guy that's going to be, you know, working uh, on, on Mac Jones's footwork and quarterback drills. Right. right? I, I think this is going to be the guy that, that really talks about tendencies for the other team and scouts the other team and, and does a deep dive into that sort of thing. So very interesting coaching staff developments, as I mentioned, the setup uh, right now. So one more thing I want to add, yeah. and I'm just going to, I just want to parrot something I heard Scott Zolak say on 98.5 The Sports Hub this morning, but it was very interesting. There's been a lot of comparisons or some comparisons made to uh, the last time Bill didn't have an OC or a DC, which was in Cleveland. Yeah. Right. And, and then early on with, with the, so I guess, so I guess, sorry, where I guess where that came from, there was actually a similar setup with Parcells at one point here. 
when Zoe played here. And what he said was what would happen sometimes, especially in, in key situations in the game, or just whenever he felt like it, Parcells would go to whoever was calling the plays and say, hey, run it. Hey, right. let's go. You know, hey, they can't stop the run. Run it. Hey, they're really biting. Let's go play action. Hey, we should throw here. Hey, let's go run past these next two, right? I And, and Zoe kind of insinuated it could be something like that. And that's really interesting where you may have a, a play caller calling the actual, you know, let's go, you know, spread Y right, spider yeah. two Y banana, which I don't, I don't know if that's in that their playbook or not at this point. I just, the, the Bruins hired somebody named John Gruden yesterday. Spider two Y banana has been, been in my head. It might be a coach that's saying, Hey, let's go spider two Y banana here. But they're saying that because Bill said to them, Hey, I want to go play action right now. Right. And that would make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. If for them to do at this point where, you have somebody choosing the exact play, but Bill still is kind of picking the overall philosophy, the overall theme of the offense. Maybe he's the one coming up with the script, the first 10 plays of the game, the first whatever it is, plays of the half, right? I, I heard Zoe say that today. That makes a ton of sense. That would make a lot of sense for it to be that sort of operation on both offense and defense. Hey, let's blitz here. You know, hey, we've kind of given them this this look. We've kind of given them a bunch of single high here. Let's Let's try cover three. And, yeah. and just drop a cover three in here and see how they react. And then a different coach picks the actual assignment. That makes a lot of sense. So, so that's just, it, that would be interesting. From what I've, I've heard the 2019 season on the defensive side of the ball yep. is a lot like that, right? Because Brian right. Flores takes a job with the Miami dolphins after super bowl 53. And they go with the Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo tandem. And it wasn't really until around halfway through 2019 that Steve really started to take the play sheet. And at that point, that that was definitely a a way of, of how they did things, right? Where Bill was kind of coming in over the top and being like, hey, let's let it's, you know, we've kind of played coverage let, let's blitz here right we played coverage the whole game maybe we can catch him with a blitz here and catch him by surprise whereas then maybe like you were saying the actual call is, is maybe made off of a sheet that's a, a, got a few selections there for steve belichick based off the game install based off the game plan of the four or five blitzes that they like against that opponent so right. it, it's a way of kind of you know uh it's a succession line, right? It's a lack of a better way of putting it. It's kind of dumbing it down for the play caller where he doesn't have as much of that run pass or blitz coverage type of analysis to get into. And it's more like, this is what we're doing. You pick the play out of the hat that we're running based off of that. That's a good way of looking at it. I think that would be a really interesting way of doing it. I am not by any means ruling out Bill Belichick himself calling plays at some point on the offensive side of the ball we know one thing from Bill and you can tell based off of this coaching staff, there's no actual title OC or DC. He's not going right. to just hand out responsibilities just because somebody has got to do it. Right. If he doesn't feel like somebody is up for it, ready for it, whatever you want to put up, uh, call it. He's not going to put that, that responsibility on somebody that's not ready for it. So if he doesn't feel like Matt Patricia or Joe judge or Troy Brown gets into it, or Nick Cayley gets into it or whatever the case may be, if they don't feel like they are ready for it, then I wouldn't rule out bill himself calling the offensive plays and having the sheet. And I think that'd be really cool. I, I, I would love to see what a bill Belichick called offense looks like. We know what a bill Belichick defense looks like when he calls it right. But what's right. a bill Belichick offense look like like what are his true philosophies what was 
Josh McDaniels and, and what was, you know, his influence and what was Bill's. Like, that was always the tough thing for me was like, okay, like they're conservative sometimes on third and fourth down. But was that a Bill decision? Is that a Josh decision? Like who, who's making those types of decisions? I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, if that's the way it goes, just like, what is Bill Belichick, the OC? Like what, what is his, what is his thing? Uh, what is he like right. doing? And, and that will be uh, very, very interesting. And along these lines, uh, not just about the responsibilities, we've talked a lot about the scheme itself. And honestly, they, they put this out there. Like this wasn't just us creating this. Like they talked about the scheme changes, especially the players have talked about the scheme changes. You've heard some, rumblings about like McVay Shanahan stuff you've heard some rumblings about Alabama type of stuff I I think ultimately once we get to pads which is a week from Monday we think is going to be the first day of full padded practices at training camp that that's when we really start to see what this offense is actually going to look like but at this point in time if you had to predict Alex which way do you think uh, this ultimately goes and, and do you think it will be a very big difference like when people turn on that first preseason game maybe they don't give too much away then but okay let's say September 11th say week, week one, one yeah, yeah week one against Miami uh, what's that gonna look like are they really gonna look that different I, I mean they're not gonna have a fullback so it'll look different right I I still don't see them going the Shanahan route especially with some of the offseason moves they made like they didn't outside of axing a true fullback they didn't do a lot that lines up with that yeah, I still think it's going to be something similar to what they've done in the past. You know, we heard that there were some former assistants in the building, right? Um, and now I'm blanking on who they were. That it was Bill reported. O'Brien was the big one. Bill O'Brien was yeah. one, and who was the other one? Um, did Jed Fish come and say hi? Jed Fish, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's who it was. So, I mean, those are guys that are more traditional, drop back, spread it out, right? Yeah. I, I, I still think that, and again, the moves they made, you bring in Devonte Parker, you bring in Tyquan Thornton. That makes Nelson Aguilar a lot more versatile. You don't need him just at the X, which is probably right. the best a versatile role is probably the best role for him. Um, you know, Pierre strong is, is a guy who can do a lot at the running back position. Isn't just a, I know, I know he was the fastest back at the combine. Usually that guy's just a burner. I don't think Pierre Strong's just a burner. I think he's a really well-rounded running back. The comp I made when they picked him was a slightly faster Rex Burkhead. I'm sticking with that. I think they go back to a little more of what it was. I don't want to say like when Brady left, because they had to make some adjustments when when the covered ran dry, the pass catcher positions in like 2019, right? Yeah. I, I, and I don't want to say 2017, because that offense was so good with Brandon Cooks, right? They're not there yet. Maybe they get there, but like... Yeah. Maybe like that 2018 offense sands a fullback, like some of that stuff. I think they go back to more of that with more of an emphasis on a modern slot. That that's what I think ultimately the plan is. Yeah. You know what I think will tell us a lot too. I think what, what happens with Jacoby Myers, if they give Jacoby Myers an extension that tells us like during camp, that tells us that they're going back to like the 2016, 17, 18 paths. And he's going to be in the Edelman role. If not, that tells us that they're shifting to either the Shanahan thing or maybe more Alabama like with that speed slot. Yeah. I, it's going to be really interesting to, to see where this scheme goes. I, what I am still going to harp on and, and I know I'm like the, the RPO broken record. Right. But it's not just RPOs. 
it's motion. It, it's modernizing the scheme, right? And I, I think that that's yeah. where they really ultimately want to head is they've got to keep up. Like they've got to really keep up with the times and the way that things are are sort of broken out. And uh, I, I think that that's what the goal is here. And I think the other goal is clearly that between McDaniels and Brady, they were so entrenched in the terminology and the way that they did things under the former OC that it, it became like only those two guys really knew what was going on, right? And and now that Brady's gone, especially now that McDaniels is gone, it really is difficult to teach that intricacies of that detailed of a scheme to a whole new group of players uh, with whole new coaches, right? With a whole new group of coaches. Right. So I think the streamlining, it comes from that. but. The closer and closer that we get to training camp and to next Wednesday, the more Alabamafication murmurs are, are starting to, to surface, right? That That's starting to, to be a little bit more out there. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, there were just an announcement on the pup players. Uh, look, I don't ever overreact to pup lists in, before training camp even starts because we see all the time that players are put on the pup list initially and it's like one day into practice and they're already off the pup list. Right. right. So David Andrews, Jonathan Jones, Rayquan McMillan, Jabril Peppers and James White are starting camp on the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list. Jonathan Jones has been healthy. He was out there during, uh, during mini camp. It wasn't even like in a red Jersey. Now I granted it's not pads and there's no real contact, but I'm just saying like, right. He had no limitations at minicamp. Andrews was a little bit limited during minicamp. He didn't do much. I think a lot of that's because he's a veteran, though, right? And and there's really not much to push at that right. point, especially for offensive line. McMillan, I, I he was a real full go in minicamp. So unless that's a new injury, which was, you never know with him. You know, they, they're sometimes careful for, for him and Peppers. They're sometimes careful with the guys coming off. That's not and that's the way I feel about yeah. Jonathan Jones as well. Yeah. That, that's not out of character for the only one that surprised me a little bit is Andrews. The rest of them that totally tracks what does surprise me and is encouraging is uh, Marcus Jones, not on there, not on NFI. Yeah. So he had, you know, I think he had double shoulder surgery, right? In the yeah, offseason. Healthy, healthy enough to do some things, right? Um, and he was right. And well, remember, he was in red all spring. He was yeah. in the non-contact jersey all spring. So it looks like he's good to go. It looks like he's full go. So that's really encouraging. We didn't obviously he's in red. We didn't get to see a ton of him in the spring. He's a guy I was really looking forward to watching. So uh there's the there's there's the lighter side of it, is yeah, uh, yeah. Marcus I mean, Jones look, apparently good to go. Um James White other yeah. But James White is not a surprise at all, obviously. No, no. I think that out of all the names, I am not concerned about any of the uh, the, uh, the first five names I rattled off or whatever it was, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four names. Because I think those guys are going to come off the pup list pretty quickly. Uh, Andrews, McMillan, Peppers, Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Jones isn't even on the pup list when we get out there on Wednesday, right? I, I think that he's somebody that was clearly a full go. James White is on my list here of storylines, and I, I find this one really something that they absolutely need to monitor, and we need to monitor and think about. Mac Jones is the type of quarterback, just like Tom Brady before him, that checkdowns is a huge part of keeping yourself ahead of the chains because you are not a mobile quarterback. So with mobile quarterbacks, let's say Lamar or Kyler or whatever, 
they can be their own check down, right? So there's nothing to open downfield. They take the three or four yards, run out of bounds, and they live to see another play. With a guy like Mac, checking the football down to a player like James White, having that reliability of somebody like James White out of the backfield, we saw how successful even throwing to Brandon Bolden that he was at times last year. This is a big, big thing for, I, I think, for this offense. Bolden's not here anymore. We hope that Pierre Strong can eventually develop into this guy, but I, that's a big ask year one. Maybe J.J. Taylor gets some opportunity here. Uh, we saw Ty Montgomery work out of the backfield a little bit in minicamp. James White's health and whether or not uh, he starts the season on the on the active list, whether he can even play at the same level that he played at in the past, this is a big X factor for them going into this season. Yeah, I, I think it's monumental. And I, people are mad during the draft. They have so many running backs. Why do they need yeah. a running back? This was why. The depth wasn't what it appeared to be on the roster. And that is such a crucial role, Evan. You're right. I thought Brandon Bolden, I, he actually exceeded my expectations filling in last year, but it still just wasn't the same. You need a guy in that yeah. role who can really thrive in that spot. And that wasn't exactly Bolden's skill set. Um, I, I think Pierre Strong should be viewed as the favorite. I think he's the best fit. I, I, the funny thing is, like, Ramondre and, and Damian Harris can catch passes. They did so in college and yeah. did it well. This actually goes back to Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle was a good receiver in college, too. But they seem to kind of uh, pigeonhole these early down backs into just that role. Yeah. There's very few guys they have to do both. You know, Rex Burkhead's a guy that comes to mind there, but – they need they need that guy. They need a guy who's going to catch passes out of the backfield. It's it's a big thing, and I I think you know if it's not strong, it gets interesting. I think then they have to kind of put Ramondre in that spot. I'd go Ramondre over Harris just because I, I think Ramondre is such yeah. a good blocker. But uh, this this is a big big opportunity for Pierre Strong, and I'm not going to fall into the trap again. Last year, everybody remembers me. They redshirt all their running backs. They, none of the yeah. first round backs ever play. You see Ramondre. Okay, in it was, no, I was an idiot. Okay, we we were both on that train. We were both very wrong. But the difference is, is that the early down back role doesn't involve blitz pickup. It doesn't involve route running. It's a much more simplified role, right? It's it's make the read and run with the football and, and protect it, right? Well, that, that, those are your three things. Make the correct read, run with the ball, protect the football. Like if you get the the five yards that are blocked, they actually don't. Even, a lot of time they don't even care, right? Like just get just right. get the four or five yards and keep us ahead of the well, chain. So that role is much easier to play than the James White role is. It's not it's night and day in terms of the mental workload on, that they have. The flip side of that though is they need they need somebody right now. It's not a matter yeah. of oh you know we want a redshirt and well they may not have an option. They may just not have the bodies right. If not him, who? That's what it might come down to. Are you going to use Ramon? And look, I think Ramondre in that role would be great. I really do. I just don't think they're going to do it. But they, they, it, basically, they're going to have to do something they don't want to do. Either Ramondre yeah. is going to have to play a significant percentage of the snaps, splitting two roles, or they're going to have to put a rookie in that spot. I just, I don't think J.J. Taylor can maybe give you some snaps there, but I don't think he can be the primary guy. He's not a good enough blocker. Um, obviously, if James White comes back, it changes the conversation. But if he's not there... I don't think Kevin Harris is that guy. I mean, he had, he caught 21 passes his last year in college, which isn't bad, but yeah. he's not that level of receiver. Again, maybe you go Damian Harris, but if you're going to go that route at that point, to me, you go Ramondre. Um, and I think, I, I feel like I'm missing a back, but that's it. So yeah, yeah. no, at, yeah. at a certain point, they're going to have, they, they have to break a trend one way or the other. It's which trend do they break? Yeah. I think ultimately I, the, 
it might have to be Ramondre. Like, I think that he's probably got the best skill set for it that isn't a rookie, right? That isn't Pierre Strong. It's right. going to be an interesting thing to look at. And I, I, I would also just mention again to not completely sleep on a guy like Ty Montgomery in, in that role just because he's got the experience. He's very Brandon Bolden-ish. He's a professional. He's been around the block. He's played the pass-catching back role in other systems. He's played that role in, in New Orleans in particular, which has some overlap with what the Patriots do in terms of that particular role and assignment. Yeah. They have a lot of option routes and things like that coming out of the backfield for those guys like Alvin Kamara. So I think that that is a possibility as well. So uh, that, let me, let me, because yeah. that is the guy I forgot because he's listed as a right. wide receiver. So Ty Montgomery is very interesting here for a number of reasons. Can he fill that role? How do they view him? Because I think something we're going to talk about when we get later in a camp is, and, and we're really starting to do the roster stuff, right? Yes. Are they keeping six receivers? Five guys are right. a lock. Are they keeping six? Is If Montgomery makes the team, is he the sixth receiver or is he a fourth or fifth running back? And then if that's like, so if Ty Montgomery is here to be in that, and this is where it, we get into the stuff and I've written about this for 98.5. And I, I love this, right? The at-large roster spots. The yeah. five or six spots that can truly be won by just the best player on the roster, regardless of position. If Ty Montgomery makes a team, but they view him as a running back, well, that opens the door for, I know a lot of people want to talk about Trey Nixon. I think Christian Wilkerson could be in play there as yeah. well. Maybe little Jordan Humphrey. Well, if he makes the team in that role, but they still view him as a sixth receiver and they're still going to keep four running backs. Well, they're not keeping four running backs and seven receivers. So, you know, that might box those guys out. You get into the third tight end conversation too. So, that that Ty Montgomery makes this thing really interesting. He's a true wild card, uh, and that's going to be something that's fascinating to watch down the down the step here, down the it's stretch. It's difficult here. because I, when I did my initial fifty three man roster projection after minicamp, if you keep like you were saying, this is an example. If you keep Ty Montgomery on the roster, it's really hard to find a spot for Trey Nixon, or it's really hard to carry three tight ends at that point, right? Right. So it gets really tricky when we talk about numbers at skill positions just in general. Well, you can only carry so many skill guys on the offensive side of the ball. You got other needs and other holes to fill. So maybe ultimately they used it last year a lot. I think they're going to use it this year a lot. Is it possible that a guy like Ossie Ossie or Dalton Keene, someone along those lines, is cut, signed to the practice squad, and then if they feel like they need to, they can game day elevate that player to get a third day, a third tight end on the game day roster. And maybe they deactivate, you know, one of the, the younger receivers like a Nixon or a Thornton or something like that. But they want to get those guys on the 53 to protect them. I think that that's certainly a way that they might go about this in some of those spots, because like you said, it's ultimately about keeping the right 53. You got to keep all the numbers that you need. But you also want to keep some of the better players that you have in your camp. You don't want to cut guys that you think are NFL players on a regular basis. So maybe that's the way they go about it is, okay, we know we, we need Ty Montgomery to have a game day role because he's going to be the third down back until James White comes back. But we love Trey Nixon. We don't want to let him get to waivers. So we're going to end up cutting Asiasi and Keen and hoping one of them lands back with our practice squad. And, right. and that might be the solution. So it's really, really interesting to see uh, this with the running backs with James White, uh, no surprise they're starting uh, the season on PUP, and, and we'll see uh, where that goes for the rest of the rest of those guys. Though, as I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry, lose too much sleep over the fact that those guys are 
technically starting on PUP. I think they'll be off pretty quickly. So I'm looking at the schedule here. David Andrews is actually scheduled to speak on Tuesday yeah. ahead of camp. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I, I, I think that he's he's going to be just fine. Okay, a couple of more things here before we wrap. I think the other big question uh, that we haven't really tackled, we talked to linebackers, we've talked a lot about offense, but I want to talk about one more thing on the offense, and that's the offensive line. Uh, we came out to minicamp in, in OTAs, or merely minicamp because Isaiah Wynn didn't go to OTAs. Uh, we came to minicamp, and Isaiah Wynn was a right tackle, and Trent Brown was a left tackle. Uh, do you expect on Wednesday when the starting five offensive linemen roll out there with Mac Jones that it's going to be the same that it was in minicamp? Uh, I, I don't know. Cause they kept pushing the, you know, we want to be prepared and that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It just feels like such a drastic change out of nowhere. It's like, I know yeah. I should say yes. Like, why would they practice like that if they don't plan on doing it? But I don't know. It's one of those things like, like I'll, when that's the line week one, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. It does feel like with Shaq Mason gone with Ted Karras gone, who I think you, it can consider him a, a starter that's not returning because he did start down the stretch last year to then flip the tackles and have new guards in there, have a rookie. I think the one theory that, again, that I'll, I'll fall back on that makes me think that maybe this is here to stay is the Cole strange theory where maybe yeah. they don't trust Isaiah Wynn next to Cole strange. I, I think Isaiah Wynn has had some issues playing next to younger guards. Like it, it was a struggle there with Mike on last year in the beginning part of the season for that tandem on the left side. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they look at it and they think Andrews and Trent Brown are two of our best linemen, maybe our two best linemen. And at least maybe, you know, I know Trent's not necessarily the most, uh, uh, you know, he's got some injury prone issues, but easily the, the most consistent guys when they're out there, right. like, you know, exactly what you're getting out of those two players. So I do wonder if maybe they're looking at it thinking of setting up Cole Strange with the most uh, uh, kind of just steadiness uh, from his left to his, his right. And, and maybe that's what the idea is there. Yeah, I'd buy that. All right. Um, uh, we we defense, haven't done a show since the win trade if while we're on offense. before uh, the Nikhil trade. Harry trade, yeah. The, Nikhil I, Harry trade, thank you. Yeah, that's true. I was on vacay when they, when they traded Nikhil Harry. I, I don't have much to say that we haven't already said about Nikhil Harry. I think the one thing I'll say about the trade is it made absolutely no sense to carry Nikhil Harry into training camp on the roster. Not, not even just, just from a, a sure rep, sheer reps perspective, every rep that Nikhil Harry took at minicamp, it felt like a wasted rep. And I'm not just talking about his effort. I'm just talking about the fact that I would just much rather give that rep to Tyquan Thornton or give that rep to Devonte Parker or give that rep to, to Trey Nixon, even though he's kind of a slot guy. The point is, is that you talk about volume, talk about numbers. Every single time they rolled Nikhil Harry out there for rep, I was like, this is a waste of time. It's almost like at sometimes I feel that way, you know, with, with, with quarterbacks. Like I want to see Zappy and I want to see Mac obviously get the majority of the reps in this camp, right? right? I, I don't think Brian Hoyer needs to get a ton of training camp reps. I, I Nikhil is, is, way beyond that like it, it just felt like a waste of time so uh, i'm glad that they got they got out of this before camp even began because it felt like it just was going through the motions eh, on both sides in minicamp i'll just say this i think Nikhil's gonna make the bears go look at that roster go look at the yeah. other receivers they have they're oh, middling yeah. and, and even even among their best guys there's no size he's what i think it's week seven they play chicago here monday night football the yeah. biggest return Gillette has seen in years, perhaps ever. 
of yeah. a former Patriot coming back. Yeah, I think he's going to make the Bears. That's my take. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to make the Bears. All right, uh, moving over to defense. Let's do these like a little bit more rapid fire because we got to wrap this here. Yeah. Uh, cornerback, still a big, big competition, right? Cornerback. Yep. I, I think I'm ready to, to say that Jalen Mills is, is – let's say he's penciled in. He's not – He's okay. not Stephon Gilmore, so I don't think he's it's not sharp. It's not Sharpie, but he's yeah, he's penciled penciled in as, as boundary CB one. That's fine. right. So who's opposite of him? Uh, who's who's potentially could even unseat him if they if he does have a, a follow up? But I think we can pencil him in. So I, I think we're, we're let's more go with who's opposite of him come week one in Miami. I'd love to see it be Jack Jones or Malcolm Butler. I think they're both high upside, high risk guys for different reasons, obviously different ends of the age spectrum, but uh, you know, Jones, if he can kind of figure it out as a young guy, I think he's got some great natural talents that could elevate him for Malcolm Butler. If he can get back to the way he played in 2020, he's a solid number two corner. The question is just at his age after a year off, can he get back there? Right. At 32 years old, there were only six corners age 30 or older that played more than 10 games last year. I, you know, the, not that's not to say he can't do it. Statistics mean nothing to the individual, but the odds are stacked against him. And then I think you have Terrence Mitchell as the safe fallback option. I, I, I think between Jack, uh, uh, Jack Jones and Malcolm Butler, I think one of those guys pops enough to get the significant number of those snaps. But again, it's going to be a rotation. I've said that. I'll keep saying it. I don't think it's going to be you know, two guys at 95%. I think it's going to be Jalen Mills at around 85, 90, and then probably two guys of the three of, of Butler, Jack Jones, and, and Terrence Mitchell in like the sixties. Yeah. I'm with you. You know, it's interesting though. Cause I don't think a lot of people are, are talking a ton about Terrence Mitchell last year with the Texans. And I know it's the Texans. I know they were bad. I know they picked at the top of the draft, but if you go watch his tape with Houston, he held up as a starting outside corner in the league last year, a guy that can see 90 targets in a season and not be a complete liability as someone that can stay afloat in, in that spot. And for this year, that's probably what they're looking for guys that are fundamentally sound that can tackle that are scheme versatile and, and that can just survive out there on, on an Island at times that I think is Terrence Mitchell. I, I agree with you hundred percent though, that guys like, Jack Jones, Malcolm Butler have much higher upside. I still think Jack Jones follows that path where, like I always say, Thanksgiving, right? Like once we get to Thanksgiving, right. I think maybe we see at that point, the bye week is is what, like early, mid-November. It's like November, week of a, November 10th or 11th. Like maybe they come out of the bye and, and Jack Jones is, is playing a lot more. I think that that's the way that, that could potentially go. If you ask me week one, I think it, it, it's either one of the veterans. It's either Butler or Mitchell. If you ask me week 16, uh, I think we see Jack Jones. I, I think he gets onto the field as a rookie. Speaking of rookies, the kind of along this lines, last one here that I had written down, rookie impacts. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Jack Jones. We talked a little bit about Cole Strange. We texted about this the other day, and I think this is like such an accurate way to talk about Tyquan Thornton. It really feels like, he's either going to be Deshaun Jackson or he's going to be John Ross, right? (laughs) There's like no in between. He's either going to be a stud or he's going to just be a guy that was just fast at the 40 at the combine. Uh, Where are your hopes? What are your, what are your expectations uh, for Tyquan Thornton going into year one? As it was the case with Nikhil, like this is everybody, you write a Tyquan Thornton post, it's going to go viral, right? Like this is what everybody wants to see what everybody cares about. And this preseason is the shiny new toy. I just still think it's a redshirt year. He doesn't have an NFL body yet. They have so much depth ahead of them at the wide receiver position. Now, 
Devontae Parker struggled to stay on the field. So maybe he gets hurt and, and you know, another injury or two yeah. and it shakes things up. Nelson Aguilar's had some trouble as well in his career, staying healthy, although not recently. So like maybe he's forced into it, but I still feel like it's, it's a red shirt year. I said this to you off the air the other day, we were texting about this. I don't see it. it don't panic. Let me explain this. I don't see a world in where Tyquan Thornton is just good, right? Like, I don't think he's just going to be like a fine receiver. I think he's either going to be great or he's going to be just like nobody and he'll wash out. Right. Yeah. How many guys with that speed and then add in the fact he's six, three, how many guys with that physical makeup are just fine or just me, you know? Yeah. He's he's good enough to be there. The only guy that I can think of that's, that's just fine is like Robbie Anderson. Right. And I, would, I think Robbie Anderson's more than fine. I like Robbie Anderson. I think he's a number one. He's a lower tier number okay. one. Look, if, if Tyquan Thornton becomes Robbie Anderson, that's a hit at 50 yeah. overall. If Tyquan Thornton becomes Robbie Anderson, that's a hit. Right. The yeah, guy I absolutely. think of maybe is like Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah. But again, that sort of feels, and I don't think he's as good as Robbie Anderson. That sort of feels like a hit. But there's, right, there's not a lot of guys you can think of of that speed and that size that are. Middle of the pack, right? John yeah. Ross, bust. Tyree Kill doesn't have the size, but the speed elite, right? And I'm not saying he's going to be Tyree Kill, but I feel like he's either great or he's out of here in three years. I just don't see, and this is big picture, not just this year again. I think he redshirts this year. But big yeah. picture, that's how I view Tyquan Thornton. It's going to be an extreme. Which way? We will see. I just, a guy with that much natural physical ability, how does he end up just being meh? That's yeah. that's kind of my big take on Tyquan Thornton right now. Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. And and throwing out names like McCole Hardman, KJ Hamlin, like those guys are a lot smaller than he is, right? Like Tyquan, right. I don't mean weight, I mean height. Like so, that's I right. think a big difference is those guys have turned into like really just gadget like players. But I think for this year in his rookie season, if you ask me, the the Patriots' offense has just been so slow over the last couple of years that even if it's just like 20, 25% of the snaps, like find some, some pockets and games to get Tyquan Thornton on the field. Even if you're not targeting him, even if you're not handing the ball to him, like just see how his speed impacts the defense, right? Like just see how that threatens defenses. Maybe it takes the top off. Maybe it attracts the safety to come over a little bit more and it opens something else up for somebody else. I think that just the threat of his 428 alone is worth throwing out there five to 10 times a game just to see what it does to a defense. And I, I don't want them to completely redshirt him for that reason because I think that he's got enough of a threat that at least it's worth something, right? At least it's it's something that they can impact a defense with. And when I know we say it all the time and other people say it, but when they throw out Myers and Bourne and Aguilar and Hunter, like I know Aguilar has got some speed. I know Bourne plays faster than he times, but ultimately that's a slow offense, like comparatively speaking. Right. So that's what I'm talking about is I think Taekwon Thornton on speed alone can be a factor in some capacity. And I think that that's worth playing him and keeping him active on game day. We talk about Nelson Aguilar being fast and he's fast for the NFL, but he's like four, four, like right. mid four fours, which is fast. The average yeah. wide receivers are like high four, four, low four to mid four, five. I would even say low to mid four five is like the average receiver, right? Yeah. He's above average speed, but he's not four right. two eight. Tyquan Thornton, right, is 4-2. I don't know the yeah. last time the Patriots had this kind of speed. I think Brandon Cooks was like Brandon a 4-3 guy. Yeah. Um, but Brandon you Cooks may have to go all the way back to Bethel Johnson. Like, this is yeah. 
Nelson Aguilar is fast. Tyquan Thornton's different. Is yeah, so I Nelson Aguilar's four four two is in the eighty second percentile for all wide receivers at the combine. That's not right. like guys that actually made it in the league, though, right? There's some guys that were right. just really good at the combine. So he it's above average speed, but we're talking with Tyquan Thornton. We're talking about ninety ninth percentile, ninety nine point ninth percentile. Like it's this is you know the fact he got ninety five speed rating on Matt is kind of BS. But yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, we'll do the Madden ratings another time, but I don't get to torture that with you anymore. Oh At least God, not on sorry. here. I can still do it in person. There you go. That's true. I still get the text messages of the latest Patriot Madden rating, trying to look for my, my take on it. So I, 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 I love it though. I, I hate it, but I love it. You know, it's, it's a love hate relationship with Madden ratings. All right. Before we wrap, uh, we got to do Boston sports minute, right? Like of final course. show. Like, how can we not? I know the people want it. Some of the people, I should say, want the Boston Sports Minute. Alex, uh, not much going on in Boston sports right now. Just the Red Sox who are on the all-star break. Uh, but what's your take about the Red Sox when they come off the break? And look, we, we've been back and forth on the Red Sox, uh, or at least I have. I think you've been you've pretty been, good. You wanted to say you, it. You, you almost said you, it. You've been pretty steady that the Red Sox are who we thought they were. Uh, what, what's your take, though, on how they come back after the break? Sell. They're two games out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah. I, you know, they're down their best starting pitcher. And for everybody saying sales going to come back in September, if you look at the timeline, there's not a, a real not narrow window. So it, it, it's actually worse than it looks. There's a real narrow window for him to come back of about eight games. Three of those eight games are in Toronto, which he, he can't pitch. So realistically, he probably has to come back after that Toronto series, which would line him up in the last series of the year, which is against the Rays at Fenway, they might be out at that point. And yeah. you're not going to throw him if you're out. So not to say sales yeah. the be all end all, but I think they were counting on him to be a big part of the improvement. You can leave, like leave, forget Dominic Smith. I he's, he's not good. Yeah. If you wanted to just get a first baseman, so you have a first baseman, the time to do that was in March. Not now. Way at too late. At this point, and I, uh, you know way more uh, about his progress than, than I do. I know he's been hurt, but if they want to, like, isn't Tristan Cassius like? Yeah, if know, he, just, he's just, just do Tristan Cassius in August. Like, I you know, there's like, some lingering issues with his injury. I think if he was fully healthy, he'd be up. And now yeah. you're getting to the point where if they're going to be out of it enough, they might not bring him up so they don't burn service time, which would be the right thing to do at that point. It should have never gotten to that point. But if it gets that point, the one other thing I'll say on the Red Sox. The Matt Olson offer for Rafael Devers. Oh, terrible. They they think he's dumb enough. And credit to him, he's not. He knows his value. Yeah. Oh, he laughed glad, at it. He I'm glad he took it. it per I'm glad he laughed at him. I'm glad he took it personally. Yeah. And by the way, Red Sox fans, they think you're dumb enough to think that's the way to run a baseball team that wants to win. Yeah. They think you're dumb enough to see that, get on their side, and go and spend $15 for a Miller Lite. Yeah. Red Sox fans should take that personally. It's the same freaking thing as John Lester and as Mookie and Xander and now Devers. The, the lack of ability to keep homegrown talent. The last true homegrown cornerstone player they kept is Dustin Pedroia. That was over a decade ago. And don't tell me Christian Vasquez. Yeah. I love Christian Vasquez. I do. I think he's an underrated player. He's not that level of player. If Christian Vasquez is the best player you're keeping, quit. Give up. It's sad. And, and the only silver lining, and you know me, Evan, I like to put a positive spin on things. Here's my positive spin on if and, and, and probably when Raphael Devers leaves. We don't have to go through this again for a while because 
they don't have another potential franchise yeah. cornerstone budding superstar to cheap out on and let walk. Like maybe it's Cassis, wow. maybe it's Marcelo Mayer. That's yeah. seven or eight years down the road at this point. If those guys pan out, Devers was signed by Ben Charrington. Mookie Betts was drafted by Ben Charrington. Xander Bogarts, believe it or not, was actually a Theo Epstein guy. The yeah. wells run dry. Dave Dabrowski completely tapped out the farm system. And uh, 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 High Bloom's pretty, pretty much putting it all on his ability to draft and develop. And then either those players come up and succeed or they get traded for capable players. That's what you're relying on right now. When Betts left, there was still Bogarts and Devers. That's not the case right now. The, the, the cupboard's dry if Devers leaves. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's teetering to the point. I'm not there yet because unless, I still, unless they get Juan Soto, if they get Juan Soto, something. I get Juan Soto. It's teetering to the point where you start to question whether or not you really want John Henry to be the owner of the Red Sox. Like I'm not fully there yet because I, I think that a lot of the time the grass is always greener, right? Like you know, you look at it and it could be, it could be worse. It could be Jeremy Jacobs, right? It could, it could really be worse. But you look at John Henry, and, and I, I do think there's a lot of validity to the take that he's got Liverpool, he's got the Penguins. They're supposedly trying to bring a NBA team to Las Vegas as a part of an expansion that would be John Henry and or you know what's it called, uh, Fenway Sports Group or whatever uh, led ownership. Uh, these other entities that he has it's very clear that the Red Sox are no longer his sole focus. And look, I know that Robert Kraft, for example, has other business ventures, but the Patriots are his only team other than the Revs, which doesn't count because the payroll is not high enough. Right. So Robert Kraft is sinking all of his money in terms of sports management into the Patriots. And now that Henry's got his hands in all these different pots, it's clear that it's not the sole focus. And if he's going to go out there and he's going to pay Mo Salah, you know, $40 million a year to stay at Liverpool, but he won't give the money to Raphael Devers, like it's staring right at you, Red Sox fans, where his priorities lie. So I'm teetering on that with John Henry. I I got my eye on him. I, I, I don't know if it matters enough to him anymore, like he's, he's turning into when they first bought the Red Sox, he was the machine. Like he wanted to be the guy that broke the curse, right? Like he wanted to deliver a championship. Now it feels like he's like in that Jeremy Jacobs territory where all he wants to do is be competitive to sell beers and sell tickets to Fenway park. Right? Like that's, that's sort of the way it's, it's going now. And and Red Sox fans shouldn't take that. And I'm also a little bit fed up really quickly with, well, sales coming back and Evaldi's coming back and Whitlock's coming back. Now I'm hearing news about James Paxton, like making a return and like, give me a break. Like none of these guys are coming to save the season. I was, I mean, it's too little too late. Right. I was optimistic that Chris Sale might, but then of course he's broken already within one, within two starts. So, you know, I don't think so anymore obviously these other guys are not coming to save the day like james paxton returning in august is not going to make the red sox a world series contender like it's just not going to happen so uh it's it's it stinks that the red sox do this it stinks that this is even a conversation with Raphael devers like this should absolutely be a done deal 
I, I will say though, the Yankees, I don't think they'll ever let Aaron judge actually walk, but they're kind of going through it with Aaron judge a little bit too, right. With arbitration and contract negotiations and stuff like that. We see what's happening with the nationals and Juan Soto. Like there's not a lot of, a lot of the league right now is kind of struggling to, to ink these contracts with their superstar players. So I guess they can give them that, that caveat, but I'm, I'm still done with that. All right. And, and no, no Red Sox or, or no, uh, excuse me, Celtics or Bruins takes really uh, right now. I, I don't yeah. think uh, so. We're really in the dead of the off season there, but Red Sox that wraps up the Boston sports minute. We'll go and uh, wrap this up now. And uh, now I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even know what to say to wrap up the show because this is uh this is definitely the, the, the worst part about this right now is, is saying goodbye uh, to everybody uh, I can think I can say that Alex, you're going to be on the pod on Tuesday though. Right. I, I think I that, guess so. uh, <laughs> somebody in the comments said they're looking forward to reading your articles in the Nantasket beach tribune. It's actually the whole times. It's the, it's whole the name times? of that newspaper, not where Evan's going, but it is the whole times. Yeah. That the whole um, times. I mean, come on. That's, that, that's a newspaper. Right. I've read it. Get it um, right. It's, it's the whole times. That's yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't know. The Nantasket beach tribune might also be a thing. I don't know about right, that. Right um, Evan, Evan's not going there though. As much as I'm sure he would love that. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be here on on I don't know so I don't know what the case will be if we'll do Tuesday or because we're doing a show every day during camp we'll just hit the ground running on Wednesday the first day of camp yeah. and do Wednesday Thursday Friday so follow me on Twitter at Real Alex Barth follow Patriot CLNS for the update I'll be back either Tuesday or Wednesday next week I just don't know what the uh, what the schedule is yeah maybe we'll do a full hour just me on the Madden ratings on Tuesday and then we'll get into it on Wednesday there we go you can you can carry the hour by yourself I, I have faith in you and I, I saw uh, earlier when we were talking and reminiscing earlier yeah you know I'll pop in from time to time I I, I won't I won't leave Alex completely hanging and I'll, I'll come in and, and uh, say what's up from time to time so don't worry about that uh, I'll definitely try to make some guest appearances and again I just I can't thank everybody enough I can't thank you enough, Alex, for doing this with me, even though uh, you have a, a, a day job, a full-time job, and you still came back and did this um, with me. So I really appreciate that, and uh, and and we'll see where this goes uh, in terms of uh, our futures of hopefully working together again on the air. Uh, it's here yeah. soon. So thank you so much, everybody. I just, I just want to say again, like I'm seeing the comments again, like the fact that this means so much to you guys, like that's ultimately cool part about this. It's yeah. Like, Yes. Um, you know, and I hope you guys keep watching. I, I feel like I'm saying this as if people are going to leave. I hope you guys don't leave and you you keep watching the show. But um, that's the coolest part about this is, you know, when I see people talk about this, like I see people refer this on Reddit or on Twitter or whatever. It's like a podcast for people to listen to when people looking for Patriots podcasts. Like that's the coolest thing. So I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'll still talk to you guys, but I'll just use this as a chance to say it really means a lot to see those kind of comments. And I appreciate you guys. And on behalf of the podcast, Evan, and on behalf of the listeners, best of, of luck to you with what's next. And, and you deserve it. You're going to kill it. Thank you. Yeah, that, I can't agree with you more about what you said about it meeting so much to people. The number one question that I've gotten since I, I announced that I was leaving CLNS is what's happening with the podcast? People telling me you got to keep doing the podcast. Like that is just so cool. Uh, I get sent to me a lot like on Reddit, like what's the best Patriots podcast and our name pops up like that's that's just so so cool. Like I, I can't even begin to to state how cool that is. So uh, we appreciate you guys. I'll make my announcement on Monday. All right, the the long national crisis will be over soon. Okay, I know everybody's busting my chops about milking it and and uh, not making this. For what it's worth, yet. 
I tried to get him to announce it on the podcast. I wanted him to do that, but I I, I, I thought about it. I did think okay. about it. All right. Uh, but until next time, I, I don't know when next time will be, but next time will be. All right, I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Or next Signing. time for uh, hopefully then it's it's Barthel Lazar, which is what we all, which was at one point yeah. the name, working name of the show. So until Barth and Lazar. There you go. Signing off until Barth and Lazar. I'm Evan Lazar. He's Alex Barth. We will see you guys very soon. And uh, I'll see you make next sure week. Hey, Alex will see you next week. And we'll, we'll both see you next week out at training camp. So keep it right yeah. here for all your Patriots training camp coverage. See you, everybody. And thank you again so much. And we'll see you soon.